Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. So I'm a female living alone in a fairly safe apartment complex. I live on the fifth floor, and on my floor there's only my apartment, my neighbours, and a laundry room with a washer and a dryer. I know most of the tenants in my building, except for my neighbour. He's only been living here for like a week. I only know his name, but never really talk to him. I only know that he's an older guy from talking to another neighbour. Anyway... So, at around 8 tonight, somebody rang my doorbell. Through the peephole, I saw a guy standing in front of my door. Mid-40s, I would guess. I thought that that's probably my neighbor. It's actually quite normal in our complex to go and introduce yourself, so I thought that that's what he was trying to do. I only opened the door a bit, because you never know, right? And left the chain on. He saw me, smiled, and said, Hi, but didn't say anything after that. I was already a bit confused, so I just sort of said, Hi, how can I help? He introduced himself as Bruno. Didn't say that he was my neighbor or anything like that. I didn't say anything either, to be honest. And after a few seconds, he said, Don't be afraid, I don't bite. I was ready to yeet the door closed because, I mean, what the heck, right? If somebody tells you to not be afraid of him, there's definitely something to be cautious about. But before I could close it, he came really close to the door and almost squeezing his head in the gap. I knew that I should have slammed the door in his face at that point, but I was just kind of, I don't know, shocked or something. But before I could do anything too, he asked, did you do this to my laundry? And I was like, what? He repeated, did you do this to my laundry? 
And at that point, I was super confused. Like, what was he talking about? I told him that I don't know what he's talking about, and he said something along the lines of, well, come and have a look, and pointed to the laundry room. And at that point, I just noped out and slammed the door shut, double locked it, and called my boyfriend. I saw the guy stand in front of my door for at least another minute through the peephole before he left down the stairs. He didn't seem angry or anything, he just sort of had this weird blank expression on his face. My boyfriend drove to my place immediately. He checked for cars outside the complex, checked the stairwell, but he couldn't find the guy anywhere. We went to look for the laundry that he was talking about, but when I got there, there wasn't any. And I know that he didn't take it with him because I saw him leave without any and look through the peephole the whole time until my boyfriend arrived. He asked me if I knew the guy or anything and I told him that initially I thought that it was my neighbor but wasn't sure. He went and rang my neighbor's doorbell and I watched him through the door and the guy that opened definitely was not the guy that rang my doorbell. He also didn't know anyone that matched the description. And I mean, even though he hasn't lived here for that long, it still wasn't very reassuring. Honestly though, this whole thing just creeps me out so much. Like, what would have happened if I went with this guy into the laundry room? What was he doing up here? Why target my room? Why target my apartment? I don't know, but uh, by the way... In my country, your surname is printed on the doorbell, but not the first name, so I don't know how he knew my name, and the whole thing is just really weird. What do you guys think I should do? I live in a three-story, four-bedroom new build house. Prior to it being a house, this plot of land was a residential home. Before that, I have no idea. So, myself and my partner and our young children have lived here since it was built, nearly six years. I've never felt anything bad or good in this house, except for the bedroom on the top floor. That bedroom was our youngest's bedroom. That was her bedroom from about maybe six months old until two years. But she just never slept well, ever. She would always wake up during the night, sometimes crying uncontrollably. We just put it down to her being a terrible sleeper. However, sometimes if we couldn't settle her back down, we'd bring her into our room, which was directly next to the said bedroom, and she would just sit and stare into the hallway outside and would refuse to be put down near the doorway. And if we tried to carry her out into the hallway to show her nothing was there, she would freak out. She no longer has that room as a bedroom. She shares with her older sisters now. The middle child, our boy, now has that bedroom, and he claims to feel fine in there. However, when it was our youngest bedroom, when she'd wake in the night, my partner would always go downstairs to make her a bottle, and I would go in and comfort her. And while comforting her with my back to the door, I would always, I don't know, feel like there was something or someone watching me. Anyway, that's the backstory, but during a conversation that we were having as a family tonight, myself and my partner were talking to the oldest boy, 15-year-old, 
and our youngest just so happened to sleep in her brother's room last night. He was at a sleepover at a friend's house and she wanted to escape the younger ones, but we asked her how she slept. It was a totally normal question, mind you. We certainly didn't lead her answer or anything. It was one of those, you know, how did you sleep last night sort of questions. We weren't prodding for anything is what I mean. And she said, well, not so great. I felt on edge, like someone was watching me from the doorway. I wasn't scared, but I felt anxious. And how she described her feeling was exactly how I felt in the past when I would often be in there comforting our youngest. Neither my partner nor myself have ever spoken to the children about this before, so there's no way that she was just regurgitating what we've said. But man, I felt a shiver go up my spine when my stepdaughter said this tonight because it was so accurate. My partner even immediately looked at me as if to say, wow, that's exactly what we've said. Anyway, I just wanted to share my story and see if anybody else can relate. A friend has just recommended that we invest in some selenite to place in and around the room. But does anybody else have any other suggestions and am I just overthinking this or is there something more to it? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. In autumn of 1995, when I was five years old, my parents moved us from suburban Dublin to a small town in a neighboring county. Nowadays, that area would almost be considered suburban, but back then, it was the middle of nowhere, right before Ireland's economy started to really boom too. They bought a house that was about two kilometers from the village in a field surrounded on all sides by farmland with a little cowshed directly touching the edge of our land. It had a long driveway up to the house, three-bedroom 1900s dormer bungalow. And as a suburban kid, I hated the place as soon as we moved there. My parents were into their late 20s, early 30s at that time. They both had grown up in the city and wanted to experience country life, so it was an opportunity to do a renovation. And when we moved into the place, it was rancid. Nobody had lived in this house for decades and I remember the water running yellow from the taps and the kitchen being non-existent when we moved in and the heating wasn't installed yet. On our first Saturday there, I remember we watched what I think was Goldeneye. Could have been a trailer for it that I remember. I was only like five, so it's a little bit fuzzy. We watched it though beside an electric heater with duvets around a tiny TV. What I'm trying to say is that it was bleak at first. 
As it moved into winter though, my parents were renovating room by room and I experienced my first memorable snowstorm. Our electricity went out at one point and I do remember my mum trying to keep me chill while she lit candles and stuff. And over time, things did eventually get better and they renovated the upstairs room first. But when you walked up the stairs, there was one big room that we all put our beds into that connected to an attic space, which I remember helping my dad put rat traps in and that sticky bug tape onto. Anyway, over time they renovated all the rooms in the house and it turned out really nice in the end. It was very 90s with loads of bright colors and a country kitchen and all that. But my mother was really depressed there and... This was the time before the internet took off, and in Ireland at that time, once you left the cities, you only had like three channels, and they were all Irish, which in 1995 was not a good thing. She just felt isolated, I guess, and I remember a few times she let me take the day off school and stay home even. I think that she did this because she was lonely though. Anyway, in August of 1996, they gave up and moved us back to the city. They bought a really nice brand new home right before house prices skyrocketed and I even got to rejoin the class that I had spent a couple of months with in 1995. In 2011, when I was 21, my dad and I went for a drive together and decided to drive back to that town. And he started telling me stories about that house and suddenly a, a bunch of experience that I'd had suddenly made a lot of sense. So, remember that big room upstairs? My whole life, I've had this sort of reoccurring dream where I'm lying in bed, my parents are downstairs with my family over, and as I close my eyes, I can see shadows moving in front of me between the hanging lights and the bed, as if someone is sort of walking back and forth in front of me. And I've had that dream maybe 20 times, I would guess. My dad told me that one of the major reasons they left was because they felt the place was actually haunted, apparently. This was obviously news to me, but my mum was already depressed being alone there while he commuted into the city every day, but that she also had experiences that made it very difficult for her to be alone by herself. But both of them had also experienced the shadows and the lights, apparently, and he told me that once she was brushing her teeth in the downstairs bathroom, it sort of felt a cold sensation, and then the back of her robe was pulled so hard that she dropped her toothbrush but the bit that really freaked her out apparently was me talking to myself. My sister had been freaked out by this too. One night, and I remember this clear as day as well, my parents had friends over and I was playing in my bedroom, now downstairs, and I had an 80s arcade machine in my room that my dad had gotten somewhere. You didn't need to put change into it to make it work, but I remember very clearly that I was with a girl who wanted to know how it worked and stuff. And something happened and she convinced me to get some change and try to force it in. I went to my mom and lied and told her that I needed one pound for the charity box school that they had given me. She gave it to me and me and the girl tried to slot it in. My mom came in at one point and she was really mad at me because obviously I'd lied to her. I told her that the girl told me to and my memory gets a bit foggy after that but my dad in the car that night told me that... There never was any girl apparently and that that wasn't the first time that I'd seen her. The other time I was playing in the front garden at the gate and my dad noticed me talking to myself. He came over and told him. He came over and apparently I told him I'm just talking to the girl. And I do remember him being like, 
Okay, that's nice, and not making a sort of big deal about it again, that there was no girl. One time when they weren't looking and I was with her, she actually touched me for the first time. And this is the only time that I remember that I really thought as a kid that something was strange. She sort of touched my hand and then just immediately disappeared. I mean, I was five and I didn't know what had happened, but one minute she was there and the next she was gone and I had this incredible need to take off the t-shirt that I was wearing. It felt like that feeling when you know that there's a spider on you or something. I ran up to the house though and into my room and pulled my clothes off, stomping on them. My mum noticed this too, but I really don't remember anything after that. Anyway, the old house, the smells of rotten eggs and the birds constantly flying into the windows were creepy enough without all of that too, but it apparently really sunk in with my dad when he was at the mechanics in town one day, making small talk, and one of the lads said, you're brave living in that place, because apparently it had been abandoned for years and had been known locally as a very creepy spot that people would stop and look into on the country walks and stuff, wondering about it. When we eventually got back to it on our drive, the place was once again abandoned and being used solely for storage by whoever bought it, I think. It still looks creepy to today and the travelers or gypsies who bought it have put a big religious shrine in front of the house. There were also big sort of beech trees surrounding it and it had a proper gate and all that, but 25 years haven't been kind to it, that's for sure. When I was 18 or 19, I decided to go metal detecting this park that was in the heart of the ghetto. Saying that this place is in a bad part of town too is really an understatement. There are regular shootings that occur at it and the parking lot around the area is filled to the brim with dirty needles. And maybe I was stupid for detecting at this location, but I guess I just didn't care. I mean, I'd previously hit the spot and helped this old bum find a missing piece from his bicycle. But anyway, when I went here this time, it was like 4.30 in the morning. I drank like 8 cups of coffee and had this beat up rusty 1980s bounty hunter metal detector that my grandpa got at Radio Shack and left to me when he passed away. And I started on one side of the field and began moving across it in a, a sort of ruster scan sort of pattern. I found mainly just corona caps, pennies and sprinkler parts in the end, but I was at about the middle of the field and got a hit that seemed like it could have been a dollar coin or a ring or something, so I started digging it. I dropped my detector on the grass and pulled out this really big knife that I had to start cutting a plug, and as I was digging, I sort of looked around me every few minutes to keep a good view of my surroundings. At one moment, I looked behind me and noticed that this older, heavy-set black dude sort of looked a bit like Wesley Willis, who was super far away from me, was starting to get a bit closer. I assumed that he was just a guy at the park, so I kept digging, but kept my eyes on him. It's worth noting too that he couldn't have seen my knife from the angle that he was at, just my detector and bag of findings. He started getting closer and closer to me and I got really suspicious at this point. I started wondering what his deal was and I don't think that he saw I noticed him because just then he started charging me like running full force towards me as fast as he could with his eyes aimed at my gear. 
I stood up as fast as I could, and he saw my knife and immediately yelled, Oh man, I didn't mean any trouble. I'm sorry, I'm sorry man. And then just ran away super fast. To be honest, I was more confused by the situation than startled, I guess, but I still got out of there pretty quickly because that, after a little bit of reflection, could have been a very close call. Years ago, I moved to follow my boyfriend and to do a PhD in his country. I won't name the place, but it's an across-the-ocean type of deal. At first, I was very excited. It was a wonderful adventure. That is, until it wasn't. It's hard to describe the complexity of what I felt. I felt alone, misunderstood, far from my family and friends, and even though my boyfriend is wonderful... I really felt the weight of not finding any human connection. This could explain why I acted so weird and disconnected from reality in the following story. I'm also a very naive woman and I like to see the best in people around me. This has been problematic more than a few times, but this story is maybe the worst example of where this candid attitude got me. So my boyfriend and I, we're into BDSM. We do it alone, on our own, and do not participate in events or anything. I do have an account on an own website. I go there to find new ideas for our sessions, and I sometimes, but rarely, post pictures. No face, no tattoos, nothing like that. I get contacted by interested doms once in a while, even though I clearly state that I'm not free. Usually they send copy-paste messages, so I just ignore them. Once in a while though, I'd get a more like personal message and make an effort to answer that I'm definitely not interested and that I'm in a relationship. And this is how my discussion with him started. He didn't approach me with a, will you be my sub, but with curiosity about how I got into BDSM, stating that he was quite new to the domain and was interested in understanding the way of life. So... I gladly explained. Explanations turned into discussions and he told me about how he was in the police and that he investigated drug cartels. He also told me that he was married and that he had kids. Interestingly, we had a lot of hobbies in common too, like a lot. I won't go into details about those hobbies, but they're kind of specific. And feeling very lonely combined with the fact that I felt like I could trust him because he was married and had kids, I accepted his invitation to start texting on WhatsApp. I want to be clear that my boyfriend knew about this from day one too. Plus, we had been talking on this website for almost three months before switching to WhatsApp. He was very friendly and interested by my day-to-day -day life. He'd share pictures of his kids and of investigations that he was working on. This went on for like another three months too. Then one day he told me that he had to do an interview of a suspect close to the town where I lived and asked if we could meet for coffee. I agreed and we met for the first time. Before anyone panics my boyfriend was hiking with friends for a few weeks. I texted him but he didn't have a signal. Plus we have a very trusting relationship. He has a lot of girlfriends and back in my country I hung out with a lot of boys so this really isn't weird for us. But anyway, back to this first encounter. 
It felt as if we had known each other for years, to be honest. We had a great time from the beginning, and I was so happy that I'd found a friend far from my country, and he knew that I loved reading thrillers and enjoyed murder investigation videos, so he showed me his gear. Handcuffs, sampling kits for small investigations, other restraints, etc. It didn't feel weird at that moment, but afterwards, I kind of understood that this could have been a way for him to show off what he could do. However, as the night went on, after grabbing drinks from a nearby bar, he forced me against a wall and kissed me. I was shocked, really, and barely managed to push him off me. I told him that it was completely inappropriate, that he was married, and that I was in a relationship. He was really sorry and felt ashamed. He told me that he felt that there was something between us, and I was like, yeah, it's called friendship. I was disappointed, to say the least, and we parted ways. Days later, after he apologized over and over again, he called me to meet up. He wanted to take me for a ride in his hometown. It's a pretty place. He's got a bike and he wants me to enjoy the scenery in his country that I barely know. And I agree. It is his hometown. He works there. He lives there with his wife and kids. Surely I'll be okay. In short, I wasn't. Again, he kissed me, tried to push for more. In the middle of a park, mind you. A park where he brought his children to play on the weekends. So I told him to bring me back to the bus station so I could leave. He did and then proceeded to tell me a story about how he had recently got a drug seller out of hiding by modifying text messages sent by his girlfriend. He basically made him believe that she was cheating on him to get him to confront her and then arrested him. I don't know if it was true. I don't even know if it's possible, but... Due to what had just happened, what I heard was, I can make your boyfriend believe that you're cheating on him. And my boyfriend was still on his hike by that time. We did talk once every few days and I told him everything about the moment that he had some cell signal. Meanwhile, I was confronting this guy about that. His behavior was really strange as he went from, I'm sorry, I think I'm in love with you, to if you tell the cops, who do you think they'll believe? their colleague or an immigrant. I got scared and tried to cool things down with him. I just felt that he could go crazy at any moment. He clearly wasn't used to girls refusing him. At that point, I thought that it would be safer for me and my boyfriend to maintain contact with this guy, albeit with less enthusiasm than before. But after understanding how obsessed he was, I blocked him from all platforms where I knew that he had an account. But... He found me. He even sent me my address, asking if I'd loved living in that particular part of town. And I never gave him my address. I guess that he could pull some strings at the station to get my info. He even came to visit me at my job at one point. I was so scared that I just played it as if everything was okay. I told him my boyfriend wanted me to cut ties with him because he was angry about what had happened, which was true, but I also wanted him out of my life. I didn't know how he would react if I told him, however. This guy insisted that I loved him, though, that I could be his mistress, that my boyfriend didn't have to know. He was obsessed by me, and he didn't hide it anymore. He told me that he wanted to have me, how we'd be a great couple, how he'd father our children. He went from I'll be husband material to, like, a serial sex offender, too, in a matter of seconds. 
I refused again and again, blocking him, changing my accounts, you name it. I got scared though when I got called from unknown numbers. I was terrified when I saw anyone slowing down on a motorcycle close to my apartment. I was wary of going outside and going to my job. The quarantine was actually pretty welcome for me, really, and I didn't get any news from him for months. And then I broke my cell phone and I knew that I could transfer all of my numbers from one phone to another, but I didn't know that it would unblock previously blocked numbers. Days later, I got a message from him. He told me that he had divorced his wife, that he still loved me, that he wanted to marry me. He apologized for making me believe that I was only mistress material and that I was worth so much more. He said my boyfriend didn't love me, that I deserved better, that he was waiting for me. When he saw that I saw his message, he said, finally, I thought you'd never unblock me. So does this mean that he'd been sending this message over and over again in hopes that I'd finally see it? This narcissistic man used all of the manipulation tactics that he knew. He had told me before we met in person how he had learned those skills to toy with criminals, to have them tell the truth and admit crimes. Fortunately, I had dated manipulative men before and knew the signs. Basically, he wasn't used to not getting what he wanted. He was attractive, rich, interesting, and he knew that. I blocked him again and we moved a few months later, and I just hope that he doesn't get his hand on this information. I believe that his last move was trying to hack into my Instagram as I got a notification that someone from his hometown had tried to connect to my account. This obsessed cop who has chased me for over a year now, it's terrifying to say the least. So this was earlier this year. I moved to a different town and was finally settled into my new place. It was the night before Christmas and family was coming by early that morning, so I spent the evening cleaning and prepping for the next day. All was well, I was in high spirits and crawled into bed. It was the first time that I was hosting Christmas, so I was a bit too anxious and giddy to fall asleep. I knew that I should sleep soon, but I was just wide awake, so I played on my phone a bit and just passed the time. It was about maybe 10pm or so. But then suddenly, I'm in the car with my husband on the highway and he's pointing at something in the sky frantically yelling, what is that? And the next thing I know is that I'm groggy and waking up and there's lights around me and a, a dark shadow and it feels like there's fingers pressing my temples and something is on my head. I vividly remember that feeling of dread and thinking, oh no, not again. I feel groggy but managed to mumble and lift my arm which was heavy and tried to say I'm awake. I then just closed my eyes and wanted it to be over with and I remember thinking I hope this doesn't last long. Suddenly there's blackness and I snap awake. I'm drenched in sweat. There are two points on my forehead that are throbbing in pain. I'm in my bedroom again and everything as I left it. The TV is on, my phone is in my hand and I'm thinking, man, that was a weird dream. Suddenly there's a loud noise and the power shuts off. 
leaving me in the dark. It scared me half to death as well and I jumped up and tried to wake my husband who was dead asleep. Finally, after a few seconds though, the power was back on and my husband thinks that I'm just silly. The thing is, is that I understand that it could very much have been just a dream. That's not impossible, I suppose, but I'm not much of a dreamer and if I do, they aren't that vivid. This one just felt so real, but why? And why aliens of all things? I'm mostly into like ghostly stories, so I don't read or look up UFO stuff that much and... I remember the physical feeling of dread that it was happening again and I could feel my stomach drop and I felt sick when I thought, not this again. But the strange thing is that I don't recall any other dreams or experiences like this. It's just so random. It was Christmas too, so I definitely wasn't thinking about aliens or anything. Anyway, I don't know what to think of any of this. I guess I'm just sharing it to get it off my chest and reaching out, I suppose. So, if you have any idea about what any of this could be, then please do let me know. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish, or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.